What would be a day if we weren't late, right, Lou? It's, what, 4.04, and we're always fashionably a little bit late here at Nothing But Fantasy, but we're always here to talk Nothing But Fantasy. We always actually do talk other stuff besides fantasy, but over since I talked to you over the last week, the Red Sox uh, got their stuff together and decided that they were going to pay J.D. Martinez, but they, they actually paid him less than I think that they offered him in the first place, didn't they? It's a little less, but the I don't know if you've seen the terms of the contract. I haven't even uh, looked at it's, it. It's it's really interesting because it's five years, 110, but there's two opt-out clauses in it. There's an opt-out after for, both for Martinez after the second year and the third year. So he's going to earn $50 million for the first two years. If he doesn't opt-out, he'd earn another $22 million in the third year of the contract. So it's a very front-loaded type contract. It also... Um, allows him to potentially test free agency again after two or three seasons if he is continuing at the pace he's at. If not, he stays around and he takes another, it looks like, $38 million or so um, over the last um, two years of that contract. So check and- it out. Check it out. The Eric Hosmer's contract is kind of the same because it just seems like they're both really front-loaded. And it also gives the player the option to stay or leave. And so... If he's unhealthy, you know he's going to stay. If he thinks he can get more money, he'll maybe leave. But that's a lot of money to be walking away from at that point. It definitely is, and a lot of it, you're right, it's going to have to do with how well they're playing, um, what their age is at, what they think the market for um, their them might be. Lenny's saying in the chat room, and he's right, there was never actually the um, five-year $125 million deal. I think we talked about it last week all, that said it was closer to the 105 110 range. So I do think that it's around the same amount of money. Why they were finally able to agree is because of the opt-out clauses. And I think this is something we're going to start seeing a lot more in these long-term contracts because it protects the player. It also kind of protects the team, although they have not much control over whether or not the player opts out or not. It does give them a chance for the player to opt out and get that contract off the books. Exactly. And if they want to trade the player later on in their career, they're not going to be trying to trade this really heavy contract and uh, you know a bunch of money those are impossible to get rid of so um boris is just such a little slime he gets his way every year hosmer he was trying to get nine years for hosmer dude nine years is a lot but what did hosmer end up taking seven eight years from the padres rather than i think like six or seven from the royals apprised by that because um, I understand that the Padres are probably trending in the right direction compared to where the Royals are going. Um, but I just I kind of saw Hosmer as one of those franchise type guys that was kind of going to stay with the Royals for his entire career. But on the flip side, you look at Hosmer. What else does he have to accomplish in Kansas City? He's already done everything anyone could have asked of him. And they're not going to be winning for quite some time now. Um, whereas with the Padres, you got to figure adding a guy like him to their clubhouse on field gives them a good chance to kind of build around him and the young talent they already have there um, and actually be quite competitive in just a couple of years with the farm system they have too. Well, I'll tell you what, they must think that they're somewhat close to competing because the fact that they got Hosmer, I love it. I think what a career to have. Just go and like be the veteran player, the the clubhouse guy, the leader that just takes teams because he already did it. He's like, Theo, he already did it there. And now he goes to San Diego and that's what they want from him. 
to be like that veteran presence to help these youngsters win a World Series. And I mean, it was surprising to me, but it's super. I'm feeling really excited about San Diego. Of course, I was born in Southern California, so I have a little bit of a soft spot. But I always love a team that's ready to compete because they've been quiet for so long, just quietly building and building their little farm system over there like the right thing to do. And then now all of a sudden they get Hosmer, which tells me that they think that they can compete in the next couple of seasons. So that's a tough division to be in over there. Oh, it's tough. It's probably the best division in the National League. Um, Maybe in baseball. Yeah, if not baseball. I agree. And um What's so interesting about Hosmer is that you said as the veteran guy, which he will be here in San Diego, but when he came up with the Royals, I mean, he was, what, 21 years old. He was a young rookie, and it took them a few years to kind of get into um, where they were, what, in back-to-back World Series, I think, in 2014, 2015. Okay, I should take um, back the veteran part. as a young guy. Okay, the veteran part, he didn't do. The um, clubhouse guy, the leadership, the um, just the guy basically led them to the World Series. He, there are certain types of players that lead teams to the World Series, and he seems to be like a real, real liked, real respected, just good, positive attitude, that kind of thing. So you're right, he didn't have the veteran presence at that point, but he did see it. He he worked with that team but he from. Took it on. Yeah. It's so amazing about him. He wasn't that veteran player, but everyone leaned on him to be anyways. So um, here's I some. They brought in some guys. By the way, apparently I'm a little low sound wise. Oh, let me turn you up. Turn me up a little bit. Gotcha. Thank you for telling us. Or maybe I turned me down a little because you're going any higher. How's that? I think that's probably good. Let me see you talk. Testing. Okay, well, I'll, I'll talk. But, <laughs> Listen, um, so, yes, let me talk now. I'm sorry I shouldn't have told you that. I want to say something. I know. I was, I was waiting for you to talk. You're, you're the one that on. I kind of rely on. <laughs> just go, 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 and then I just react. The last time the Padres won at least half of their games was in 2010. So last year's team, they had 71 wins and 91 losses. And so Pakoda and Steamer, you know, the projection systems that we just kind of look at and see what they are, they're, they're actually – pretty good usually um they think that the Padres are the worst team in the National League and Pakoda also thinks that the Padres are the worst team in the National League but um I really think that this stuff is just hard to really put on the books because of how young their team is but they have made some moves this um offseason and I really like it and I think you oh I lost I lost you this is what happens in emergency I wonder if you guys can hear can you hear the phone ringing? Probably. Anyway, we were going to talk about Odorizzi. So I was moving on to Odorizzi without you. Yeah, I, um, I I lost you there for a second. But yeah, Jake Odorizzi, now apparently um, hard to hear, says Donkey Teeth. And he, But he says he's kind of deaf, though. This is interesting. Usually we don't have these uh, these sound issues. I, um, I Who's hard to say, hear? Is it he, him? He don't say the sound is low. Okay, so I just have, I wonder, let me try something. Let me try something. Um, this is a fun game we have going on here, though. Yeah, whatever. Says, just, Lenny says Lou is good. Lou is good. So maybe it's just you that needs to go up a little bit. Oh, now I'm too low. I turned myself pretty much down. So, okay. This is what the compressor and audacity is for, in case you've never known about that. That's just this uh, lovely free sound program that you could stick your mp3s in and you can compress them into um sounding right and they have all kinds of other things to fix up stuff when <laughs> you suck 
Okay, I'm cutting all this out. So. All that's, right, um, take two. That's, that's way over my head. Take I two. so bad at that tech stuff. All right, let's have a little... I'm going to have a sip of my vodka. Hey, Lou, I'm working on this draft, guys. I'm almost done with it. It's our very first Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports uh, Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide, and that is a long thing to say, and it's a long, huge draft guide that we got some help from the really great people around here like Beat On and Donkey Teeth and Paul Martin and Phil, the Fantasy Phil. So all those guys that I just mentioned and me have been working – like 24 seven, at least I have for the last week trying to get it out. And I keep thinking it's going to be ready. It's going to be ready, but I really am telling you now that I'm announcing it, it has to be real probably tomorrow. I have to say, first off, I'm a little, I'm a little offended that I wasn't able to be a part of all all that, all that fun. So, Uh, but I am very excited to see the final product. I do want to just say, and we'll just put this out there now. So nobody gets their feelings hurt about it. Um, when we decided that we were going to do a draft guide, we figured we would charge like eight or nine bucks for it. And <clears throat> we didn't feel right about taking all the money. We felt like we wanted to distribute whatever money we do make on it to the people that do the work on it. So we decided to only ask just a couple people that were willing to give a commitment of, you know, quite a bit of time and effort and who wanted to pitch in. So there's I think there's five of us. Lenny doesn't get paid because he gets paid by having his name on the front of it. But we just wanted to be able to share some profit. So if we had like a whole bunch of people, you know, giving their well, yeah, that, that cuts into that's a cut into the profits, of course, absolutely. So we yeah, so that's what we're gonna do. But we are we all pitched in. We did player profiles for all the positions. We ranked them. We color coordinated them. We talk about DFS, sabermetrics. Paul gives a great. Um, he did a really great article on sabermetrics on how to read on how to profile pictures and what to look at and stuff. Super fun. So I learned InDesign, Adobe InDesign, just to put this magazine out. So look forward to it, everybody, and it will come out probably tomorrow, definitely tomorrow, if at the latest. Well, that's incredibly exciting. I also have some exciting news. Tell Two me. Things, actually. One, I get the honor of having Lenny joining me tomorrow to do an NNL East preview, which I'm incredibly excited about. Excellent. I got a text from a guy who is very good friends with Jake Arietta's agent. Can't name any names. Mm-hmm. But they say there's talk going on with him and the Phillies. It's more than just talk. That's Yay! Go Phillies! That is going to happen. Whoopee! That makes me super happy because my boy Aaron Nola is pretty lonely over there. Yeah, and I mean, I I really, I mean, I'll talk about the Phillies a lot more tomorrow with uh, with Lenny, as as I mentioned. But I I really like what the Phillies have on on paper here already, and adding another quality arm only adds to the value that they have. Okay, so Donkey, I. Really, so he wants to ask this question while I'm on my podcast, but I'll go ahead and answer it because that's the polite thing to do, right? Um, I did update the draft strategy article for the third time. I took out what I had put in there, and I put in the edited one that you sent me that was sitting in my mailbox for five days. That I did. And um, I haven't maybe sent you a link to update it, but that's um, what I – did and then I asked you to please put profiles in for two players. So I gave you the instructions on how to insert them into the. Are you kidding me? So I hope you heard what I said because I asked you to put those two profiles in, or I'm going to get rid of them. Those two players. 
it's a lot of work doing this. It's a lot of work. I don't think people understand how much work it is. And so it's a little frustrating when I continue to get questions, the same questions over and over. But I just, okay. So whoever's players it is, if it's your responsibility, I'm telling you guys to fix up your players because I'm ready to put the draft guide out. Do whatever it takes and make sure that they're all on the right teams because I, I, I already did it, but just make sure that your players have profiles because if they don't, by tonight at midnight, then they're not going to be ranked. Thank you very much. Okay. Lenny's telling me no, no, no. He's afraid I'm going to be a crazy person, but I'm not. <laughs> I only do that. Well, I I was gonna say uh, I think that I think it's a little too late. Um, I'm not crazy though. I'm just straight up. I just I mean I just Um, say things how they are. I'm not trying to sugarcoat things. I'm not like rude or offended or anything. I just let's move on. You say what's what's on your mind. Let's Um, yeah. So what you said you started with uh, Jake Odorizzi without me. So talk I to did. me a bit about that because that's that's also Arietta to the Phillies, assuming it's going to happen. And I do think it will. I trust this source um, is exciting. But I think the Twins getting another starting pitcher is pretty damn exciting too because they've been linked to everybody all offseason. Um, the Twins, I wish they would have got a better pitcher. That's all. Because Odorizzi is – it's. I was reading an article at Fangraphs today that was a really. It's a good article. It talks about how the when he was younger, all of the teams that he was on, he was actually with Milwaukee and Kansas City early, and they just kept telling him not to. He really liked to throw the ball up high, and so basically all of the teams said you need to throw the ball down low. That's how you get ground balls, and um, everybody was trying to get him to change it because throwing a fastball high and up is was just like unheard of. So. Basically, when he went to the Rays, they they allowed him to embrace his high um, fastball, and it's it's fine. I mean, he's he's gotten away with it for a little while, but each time, each every season, his high fastball gets a little higher. Like it's a little higher up off the ground, a little higher up off the ground, and he gave up a ton of home runs last year, and that's because hitters are just being able to connect to those high. Uh, that's why you know pitchers try to throw low, and that's. It's really catching up to him. It's really good for him to be getting out of that um, American League East and over to. Well, that's what I was going to say, Andrea. Is from the fantasy as a fantasy player, from a fantasy profile, leaving the AL East and all those hitters ballparks and big lineups, going to the AL Central, which is probably the weakest division in baseball now. Yeah, it could outside be outside of the Indians. Um, yeah, that's that, that's that's a pretty solid um, transition and move for him. Yeah, it is. But I I do have I really like. I do like the Twins. When Lenny and I got to go to the Twins game, because we did get to see the stadium there and go there with some old friends of my dad's, and I'm telling you, they won like 27 to nothing or something like that. It was a crazy game. We even left like before it was even over, but it just, I really like them. I want them to do well. I do think that they need definitely something better than Anibal Sanchez, and um, even though I do, I'm a big fan of Anibal Sanchez, but Odorizzi just, I have about as much faith in him as I do Sanchez. He's got, he's losing velocity on his um, fastballs. He just, he's not, he's not, when you're giving up that many home runs, it's just too many. Hey, it's a better park though, I think. It's a better park. It's a better division as well. And the Twins do have reinforcements coming throughout the season. They'll get Irvin Santana back. Jose Barrios, um, I love. Obviously, Pineda. Um, oh, he's. Question marks because we don't know 
when and if he's going to be healthy. But if they could add him in the second half too, I mean, that one through four rotation, if they have something like Barrio, Santana, Odorizzi, and Pineda, that's a pretty solid rotation to have going down the stretch and into the postseason. And they should be able to get there again with the weaknesses in their division. So did you see that Corey Dickerson, Tampa's acting all crazy right now. I mean, honestly, I don't know what they're thinking giving away this guy. And to, to DFA... Corey Dickerson, who was an all-star last season, he's, they worked it, you know, they agreed upon a $6 million contract or something close to $6 million, like 5.96 or something like that. $6 million, basically. They agreed and stayed out of arbitration on Thursday, and then they DFA'd him on Saturday. And I was like, and Lenny and I do our show on Sunday morning, and we, I even pulled out the, um, the agreement, the, what's it called, CBA, C. Collective bargaining? Yes, CVA. Okay, I pull it out because it's always handy for finding out information. I mean, going straight to the source is the best place to do it. They don't even talk about the fact that um, what happened. Lenny's yelling at me, don't go there. Why is he trying to dictate my podcast? This isn't your podcast. This is my podcast. Well, you made fun of because of your Annabelle Sanchez and Odorizzi um, almost comparison that you trust. I just Annabelle said, Sanchez as much as well, I don't I know why. You there, why though? Because Anibal Sanchez used to be, he used to pitch well. He used to pitch better than Odorizzi did. He used to, but right. he hasn't and been he's, good in what seems like forever. Okay. He's certain. I know that's the problem with you people. You guys have so much recency bias and it's fine. I mean, but just Anibal Sanchez hasn't been, um, successful in any of his pitches except for one pitch. And that's really sad, and that looks horrible. I get that. But go just going to the Minnesota in the worst division in baseball, well, he came from – I don't even know where he came from. Detroit? Did he well, come yeah, from he, Detroit? He was already in that division and wasn't doing too well to begin with. But that's I, true. I, I'd like to talk So I just said that I trust I trust Odorizzi as much as I trust Anibal Sanchez, and I do have a little affinity for Anibal Sanchez. I'll be clear on that. But let's talk about Dickerson because that's really well, – it's crazy. Forget about the fact that they agreed to a contract with him. What? What? Besides the fact that Kron plays first base, that Dickerson's an outfielder. Kron sucks. Why take C.J. Crone he over sucks. Dickerson if that's what it meant? You're, you're, you essentially just traded D- Dickerson for Crone, which makes right. no sense. I know because they first they said that, or first it was in the news that it was a cost cutting move, and it was like. What a, wait a minute. Cost cutting? They're going to cost cut $6 million? I mean, how much do they want to spend? They want to spend like one Clayton Kershaw on their entire payroll? I don't get it. So $6 million, but they're going to pay Kron $4 million, and he sucks. He's horrible. I mean, this guy is uh, – he, he didn't have a good – Kron has definitely not lived up to any of his expectations, but he has he has had injury issues, and he was completely blocked in, in L.A. I totally get why the Angels wanted to get rid of him. So, I mean, there's not – there's, there's nowhere for him to play with Valbuena, Pujols, and now Otani. Well, let's talk about, though, um, the other – like, so then it says, well, it's an age issue. Maybe they wanted somebody younger. But he's not even 30 yet, so that isn't it. And um, basically, they just needed to make room on their roster. But, you know, they have 10 or 11 or 12 days, something like that. They can trade him. And that's what everybody's pretty much speculating at this point, that they have to be working on a trade with him. They needed to get him off the roster before that um, the trade was going to go through because they still own him and they have to pay him. I don't care what Lenny says. They just signed a contract with him and somebody's paying him. 
Well, there's that, but I've actually heard that um, he might be shipped off to the Baltimore Orioles. I heard the um, Twins were in on him. The O's have been looking for that left-handed hitting outfielder, and just last year, these teams kind of made a very similar move. Tampa unloaded Tim Beckham to Baltimore for literally nothing, and Beckham kind of exploded onto the scene once he left Tampa and went over to Baltimore. Well, I, I could tell you Anderson that— could put together a terrific season based on what he was able to do last year if he headed to Baltimore. I just think it's interesting because Tampa, you can make the argument that their two best, most productive hitters last year were Dickerson and Lomo. Lomo's a free agent, and now Dickerson's gone. So who's going to hit for them? Yeah, they might as well just sell Chris Archer because he didn't sign up for this either. So, I mean, the, but look at the Atlanta Braves. They're interesting because I read today that they've been in um, – John Heyman at FanRag said that they were interested in Dickerson before, and now that he's, like, not going to basically cost anything. So um, they also have Ronald Acuna, this new little – superstar that's coming up but you know they're going to keep him down long enough to at least own him for another season and maybe if they had somebody to play you know in the outfield they wouldn't really have to bring him up because at this point it looks like he's slated in as their right fielder and I just don't see them not having a whole year of control over this kid to um well, they have NC Arte in center. They're going to roll with Marcakis probably in right field. But right now, left field, I'm not sure I'm a believer in Lane Adams, who is out there right now. They do have Preston Tucker, who came over from Houston, who could be pretty decent too. But adding a guy like um, Dickerson could be interesting. But NC Arte is a left-handed hitter. Marcakis is a left-handed hitter. I believe Tucker is a left-handed hitter. So adding another left-handed hitting outfield to me in Atlanta doesn't make that much sense. Well, what I can say is that Nick Markakis does okay, but he's getting old. He's not going to be there for that long. They could just really use – I think that they could use the help definitely with um, their youngster outfield. Um, that's that, but I also think there's some other teams like Kansas City Royals that they could really use somebody like Corey Dickerson since they just lost Hosmer and Kane and Moustakas all in the same season, and they got problems with Alex Gordon. Even though Alex Gordon sucks – He's still getting paid like twenty million. I don't know why teams feel the need to play a guy just because he's getting paid. That's just like you're you, you not only now have to pay him, but you stink now because of it. So do you want to win and have to pay him, or do you want to be losers and have to pay him? Yeah, that's fair. I, I just want to remind you of your recency bias, though. You just ragged on everyone for the recency okay, bias. Okay, sure. Up until last year, Alex Gordon was a very productive player. Oh, he had a please. Really tough season last year. But, Hold on a minute. Um, Cool. He he was he was a pretty he was a pretty, pretty per- darn good player for the Royals for um, a large stretch of time. One of their more consistent players. Well, at that. I mean, he must have been at some point to get the contract that he has, but he's never been that great. He's never been on my radar as a fantasy owner. I don't know if he's a good at defensive or if he's. I mean, because he's he's definitely a better real life player. He was he was a Gold Glove caliber outfielder at, at one point as well. I mean, recency bias, but let's talk about this kid, this guy. He's just a waste of money. He's like, uh, what's that picture? Lidge, Brad Lidge. He's like, is it Lidge? No, it wasn't Lidge. It was uh, somebody with an L. They had the worst contract. Everybody always like refers to the bad contract, this guy's contract. Who is it in the chat room? Pitcher had a contract like way longer than his career. He's probably still getting paid. Bobby Bonilla? <laughs> Okay, so B. Don says that he's one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. That's fine. He sucks. As far as offensive, he's no good. I just, I'm sorry. That's my personal opinion, apparently. 
Well, I don't know why the chat room's all up on me today, but you guys just better back off of some. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Chicago White Sox, what about them? Do they need Dickerson? Yes. They're another team that's about to sprout into something completely good. Yeah, but for for this year, do they really need Dickerson? I'm not really sure that, that they do. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the Atlanta. I like the Atlanta call, but I do have some issues with overloading left-handed hitters. I honestly think the Orioles well, are the best case scenario for case or for Corey. Why? Dickerson. Why are they? Why? Well, they, 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 they've been going after that left-handed outfielder and um, he kind of fits right into their mold of a guy that hits for a lot of power. Um, so, okay. Yeah. I mean, he fits for a lot of power. There's so many other players that hits for a lot of power, but the point is Dickerson He's like gold mine out. He's and that they can still trade him because they still technically own him for like ten or eleven days. So expect something to happen. They're still going to get something back for him, I think. Don't you? I mean, they're just not going to let this guy just go. A player to be named later, maybe. Oh bull! No, somebody has to. Somebody no. They they have to get right now. They're taking bids on him. Um, there's a lot of teams that can use him. Let's get real. So I think. I think you're giving the Rays too much credit. Why? Because I I really don't think I really don't know if they had if they had a plan for Dickerson. I think they just went out and got Crone, which is the guy they wanted. Clearly okay. they didn't have a plan because having to DFA him um, is not the right move to me. And I know I'm not running a baseball team and I don't have no experience as a MLB general manager, but you don't you don't just give up um, a player that is that productive for a team that really has no other offense to speak of. Right. I mean, there's got to be so that's, this is my theory. There's got to be somebody in the front office over there with the brain as far as financial. I mean, if you're trying to save money, that's all fine and dandy. Then trade him. Then just trade him for a prospect. Then, I mean, it doesn't seem, it doesn't make sense on any level that they would, um, just not do anything about it. I think they just needed the room and they're getting rid of them anyway. So, but now, doesn't it seem like, let's say that you were in talks with them to take Dickerson to, in a trade and give him something, and they DFA'd the guy. And so now you're like, wait a minute, my side of the deal just got a lot sweeter, because now I'm not going to pay you anything, and you better do something uh, before this guy becomes free. Exactly. They lost all their bargaining power. That's why it makes very little sense to me. Uh, let, let me ask you this. Okay. So the D-backs missed out on J.D. Martinez. Yeah. Obviously, he went back to Boston. Shortly after that, it was announced they signed Gerard Dyson. I like Dyson. Good <laughs> defensive player. Great in fantasy for late, cheap speed. Yeah. But there's other outfielders out there like a Cameron Mabin, like a Malky Cabrera, for instance. Why not go in the route of maybe a Malky Cabrera who's going to produce kind of across the board for you minus the steals rather than go after Dyson who pretty much has no power, doesn't even hit for that grave an average and really only helps you defensively and on the base pass? Well, I guess because he gets paid like $3 million because he's cheap. I don't know why this guy's never – there's something wrong but with this guy. But money can't be an issue there, though, because if they were going to pay big money to J.D. Martinez, they could have offered Melky Cabrera 8 or $10 million. It's not like Melky Cabrera was going to break the bank. Melky Cabrera is, I think, a, just – yes, a, he's a steal off of the – somebody needs to purchase him up quickly. I don't know why they chose Gerard Dyson, but I do know that this guy's like 30 years – I mean, him and Raja Davis – They've been doing it, and they're going to continue to do it until they don't do it. But when they don't do it, which is coming up very soon, they're not going to do it ever again. And these guys are in 
their mid thirties at this point. So, um, I mean, I'll still take both of them at the end of the draft though. You better believe it. I mean, I can't even believe that Cameron Maven, Brandon Phillips, uh, Gerard Dyson and Rajah Davis are always sitting out there at the end of the draft. It's like, are you, you know, kidding me? I got Dyson yesterday in our mock draft in the 27th round. It's I mean, unbelievable. I he hadn't been signed yet. He hadn't been signed yet, so I kind of doesn't matter. Late, but that's that's crazy that it, he went that late. Dude, it's great for fantasy people that they're not signed yet because every single year, and until they don't, like I said, until they don't, which is coming up here soon. Roger Davis is. Pro- I'm. It, I wouldn't have been surprised if he didn't get signed at all. But the fact that he keeps getting signed and the fact that he continues to steal twenty five or more bases every single year, you got to just. I mean, that's like a gold mine. So the fact that he's not signed, it gives you uh, him in the 27th round when it, now that he is signed, it's still I'm still thinking that until people start to catch on, he's going to continue to go super late in drafts. And not that he, you know, I'm not saying, you know, draft him and you're going to get 30 stolen bases out of him. I'm just saying at, in the 27th round, there's a lot worse picks. There is, and Donkey Thee is saying he's never been a full-time player, but he doesn't need to be a full-time player to be effective. He had 346 at bats last year. I don't know when the last. Bags. I don't really know when being a full-time player counted in fantasy, but if you play in a league where it does, then maybe it, uh, it can. It can. It gives you more opportunity to produce. I from a steals guy under 400 at bats, 28 steals. And look at some other good speed guys. Look at this guy, um, Gerard Dyson. Davis last year. He's never nine stolen bases, three thirty six at bats. Tomino De Shield. Hold on a minute, please. Bases, Listen, three seventy six at bats. This um, Gerard Dyson, he's never had more than three hundred and thirty. Wait, he had three hundred ninety last year. That's the most at plate appearances that he's had ever in his career. Three hundred ninety, and let me tell you, most of them are in the two hundred. Most of them are less than three hundred. Most seasons, he's been playing in the majors since two thousand and eleven. He's got one season that hit three ninety and nothing else. He's stolen. Listen to this numbers. 30 bags, 34 bags, 36 bags, 26 bags, 30 bags, and 28 bags. And this is what we're talking about from a player, a part-time player. So I don't, you know, I don't think that they necessarily need to get, and I'm, you know what, by all means, please do sit out and don't wreck my batting average while you're in there, you know, because the least number of at-bats that I can get this amount of stolen bases from is good for me, especially because this batting average and on-base percentage are probably not good. Well, that's exactly it. And like, I'm looking, I'm looking at a number of these guys, and I was listing them. So I have a list here of guys you're going to get late in drafts for steals, and um, a number of them had under 400 at bats. Even Jonathan VR, who I don't love, had 23 steals last year and just 400 at bats. Broxton, 21 stolen bases, just over 400. Um, Bradley Zimmer had 18 and under 300 at bats. Um, Delisle DeShield's going to be an everyday guy this year, but last year wasn't had 29 stolen bases. Do you remember There's guys? Dude, just going to steal you bags. Just don't play every day. Just two seasons ago, Jonathan Villar stole 62 bases. Just two seasons ago, and the fact that because he he look, he, we always knew that that was inflated. Obviously, he stole way more bags than he's going to steal because, let's face it. Who steals 60 bags? But still, the lack of stolen bases last year, it basically made him undraftable in a lot of people's mind. And I say this. I saw 62 stolen bases out of this guy. He's 26 years old. If I saw it before, who's to tell me that it couldn't happen again? He's got a job. Does he have a job every day? Let me check. Right yes. now, right he now, plays he second. has a chance to play a lot at second base. Yeah, maybe he won't get 60, but he got 23 and 400 at-bats last year. If he plays every day, um, 
or he wants to keep his job, he might run more. He's a guy who could steal you 30 bags, absolutely. He could steal 40. He could definitely steal 40 or 50 bags. No, no joke around. This is no joke because look at the stats. They've shown it. So I love it. You know, lots of people will say, well, he could. Like Trey Turner, this is a great one. Trey Turner is going to steal all these bases. He's going to hit home runs. He's going to do all these things. And we're going to draft him in the first round. And then when he doesn't do it this year, we're going to not draft him until the 20th round. Because all our hopes well, that, are dead. That's a little high for Turner because obviously you know he's going to go earlier than that. But yeah, um, you make you make a good point there with him. Um, and there's, I mean, there's there's guys like um, like Jose Reyes, for instance, too, who's not going to be an everyday player with with the Mets. They have crowded infield. Yeah. But when he plays, he's going to steal bases. And yeah, people can say, okay, well, they're going to be on your bench, but that's just it. If you're in a roto league, you're moving guys with steals in and out of your lineup all the time based on what the standings dictate. I mean, I'm going to have Dyson in there at times. Um, and if I'm falling behind in steals and I'm doing well in another category, I'll throw him in there and try and get a couple weeks of lots of steals from him. You, just, you have to use the depth on your roster. I agree. And of course, these players, they could be maybe better in leagues that you could move around players every day. But uh, you know what? Here's I I don't think that it's even really realistic to think that most people even can. uh, They don't have the time to go and be changing their fantasy leagues around every day. I do like being able to move uh, players around when I want. You know, I like the convenience of being able to go in there and pick up a player and and move players around. But do you find it kind of like basically becomes a strategy to. just get the most games played and always constantly like moving and picking up players. And, and basically your strategy is to just get the most of everything. Just get, you know, I don't know why that is kind of no fun for me, but maybe cause I don't do it. I don't know. See, I love weekly, weekly leagues, but um, I mean, I always try, I mean, I'm sure everybody tries very hard to draft tons of depth, very deep team players that can help them in any multiple ways. And for me, um, when you play in the daily leagues, you're much more rewarded with that. So I kind of like to be able to use my depth. Yeah, maybe um, I'm just jealous platoon guys, because if like think about guys that are strictly platoon players, if you have them in a weekly league, how often are you really going to play them? Right. Well, you have them in the daily league. You throw them in there every time they're on the strong side of the platoon. I totally agree. And I, I don't even have time to just, I don't know. I should give more credit where credit is due because it's commitment totally. And, um, I'm just probably annoyed because whenever I go there and mosey my snail ass over there, the players are gone. And I mean, for me, like I love playing DFS too. So playing in the daily leagues kind of prepares me for the DFS and vice versa too. It allows you to, it just allows you to use your whole roster rather than, um, rather than kind of picking who you think is going to be the best that week using a, using a starter simply because he has two starts that week rather than actually using the best pitcher you have. I will say one hint of advice and take it or leave it. Most, I don't really know if you'll agree or I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, when I was reading the baseball forecaster this year with I, Ron Chandler wrote it or writes the beginning part of it where they talk about the different changes that, you know, between last year and this year, they talked about all the home runs, of course, all the stolen bases, talked about the fact that pitchers don't go late into games anymore. There was only like 15 or 12 pitchers that reached 200 innings, and there was a whole handful of pitchers that 
reach 200 or more strikeouts or 150 stri – let's see. Between 100 – okay, let me take it back. The – I totally lost my thought. Okay, this is crazy. I totally lost my thought. Okay, Ron Chandler in this baseball forecaster talks about the pitching, talks about the depth in the starting pitching and how it used to be where everybody walked away from the draft with like five decent starters. It was really – if you, that's when Clayton Kershaw was winning leagues. Like that's when you figured out that if you had a Clayton Kershaw on your team, you were going to win leagues. It's like he was the difference maker. When everybody has a good pitching staff, you have to have like an elite pitching staff. So if you were going to, you know, draft for pitching, you really had to invest in a guy like Clayton Kershaw. And there wasn't any other pitchers around for a couple, several years. But nowadays they're so weak they can't even go five innings. Like uh, most most of them go five innings when it used to be. I mean. God, like 20 years, 30 years ago, they were throwing uh, complete games all the time. It was no no big deal. But anyway, he was talking about the what the value that was brought back from these middle-of-the-road pitchers, the middle-of-the-road starters, this, like number three guys. And the majority of these pitchers just hurt you. They didn't offer much to you. Um, if He took all of the ones that were drafted and put their dollar values next to them, and they were like negative six bucks, negative, 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 when he put out the ones – the middle relief guys that are the effectors that are going more than one inning, these guys can rack up strikeouts. So, yeah, you're not going to get like 160 strikeouts, but you're going to get 100 strikeouts, and you're going to get an ERA that's so much less than this guy in the fours. I mean, I think it's important to try to well, avoid any pitcher. Andrea, I don't know about you, but for me, I never even look at the strikeout totals as much as I look at the strikeouts per innings because that's where you're getting the value. I mean – I don't think so because you have to rack up strikes. It's a category. You need strikes. It does. They don't have. I know, but wouldn't you rather have two guys on your roster that maybe throw seventy innings but rack up ninety five hundred Ks than a guy that's throwing one hundred fifty innings and racking up one hundred twenty Ks? Absolutely. Of course. Value We're talking with about the ERA usually too. We're saying the same thing. I'm telling you to look for middle relief guys with 100 strikeouts or like 90 strikeouts with an ERA that's like two something. It's unbelievable. There's several of them out there. There's there's quite a bit of them. And so when I go to labor to do my American League-only draft in this next weekend, not this – um, on the 3rd. So I'm going to be drafting these guys instead of – I'm going to get like three or four starting pitchers, three or four good ones. I'm not going to get the best ones, but I'm going to get decent ones. I'm going to get the second tier down and the third tier down, and that's it. I'm not going to go any Rick Porcellos on us. I'm not going to get any of these guys because I'm going to draft Josh Hader or I'm going to draft um, – Chad Green, or I'm going to draft a lot of different ones. Like Brad Peacock doesn't have a spot in the rotation. He's going back into the Chris bullpen. One of Another one. He's, he's a great one. And I found Michael Gibbons. I found um, Tommy Conley is a good one. Dylan Batances, of course, but he'll probably go early. But I'm talking about these no-namers. That people, They're not no-namers. They're very in, in, important pieces of the winning teams. These pitchers are not being paid attention in fantasy, and I'm super happy that the effectors are finally getting some love, and it's not just because I decided that they should get some love. I think that it's because this is what the Major League Baseball is trending to doing right now when they figure out that their rotation is just weak. And so they, we've seen several teams this offseason spend a, quite a good chunk of money on relief pitchers, and as they should because these relief pitchers are what wins them series. They win games. And here's another thing. 
the relief guy that goes in because the starter's weak and can't get through five, because in baseball you can't even qualify for a win unless you make it through five innings, okay? So there you got that. When the relief pitcher, the effector comes in, he only has to throw a couple pitches to qualify for a win. So your starter's got just, these guys get wins too, so you look at their wins and you say, oh, he racked up six wins or five wins. It doesn't seem like a ton when you're looking at um, pitchers that have 15 wins, but this last year was the first time that, Pitchers didn't win. There was no 20-game winner last year in all of baseball. Yeah, well, that that's, comes from not going deep into games. You nailed that right on the head. And I think even more so in the only leagues, whether it's AL or NL only, that's even more magnified because there's a lot less choice of quality pitchers. Um, I mean, for me, even in our mock that we did, I took four starters – then I started going relievers. I filled out the rest of my rotation with either guys who can get saves, uh, guys who are locked in for saves currently, or guys that um, bridge the gap to those closers who have good ERA, whips, and Ks. And then I think I grabbed one more starter for my bench at the end because um, I, I don't want starters on my team with whips at, in the 1.3s or ERAs well over four. It just they're, In that matchup, okay, maybe. Um you can live with it because they're going to have some great starts. They're going to have some other starts to kind of blow you up and you play the matchups. But in Roto, those guys are just going to kill you. You have no chance of winning those ratios with pitchers like that. And I think that it's important, too, to consider drafting instead of a guy that could get saves. Like, um, let me just think about this. So some some of the uh, closers, like, I, I want to say Colome, just because I was looking at him today and I was thinking, damn, his strikeouts are so low. He's just got like six per nine and so um i think that sometimes even if you think okay well i'm going to draft this guy because he's next in line for saves or he's going to get me 13 or 14 saves and he's got a 3.89 era or a three or a 4.1 era the era is so important and it gets overlooked so much but it's just as much of a category and the same thing goes with like batting average people love to throw out that category of batting average i think just because it's kind of it's kind of a pain in the ass to, to consider when a lot of guys that hit for a lot of power, they just have a horrible batting average. Or the stolen base guys, a lot of the ones that steal all the bases, they just can't get on base. So I mean, you know what I mean. So it's easy to say, I'm going to draft this guy for saves, potential saves, Juan Mania maybe. Like um, there's, there's several closers out there that just have the most horrible ERA that it's not going to really work in your benefit just to get like 10 or 12 saves. If you look at, like, the saves at the end of the season, I spent quite a bit of time putting together category targets for the draft guide. So we did category targets for 12-team, 15-team, AL, and NL. And uh, the AL and the NL is based on 12-team leagues. But I took the NFBC leagues from last year and the um, Tat Wars and Labor Leagues, and I just averaged them all out with five different leagues for each one of them. And I came up with these categories. And what I see in the saves category is kind of interesting because – it goes, I mean, there's a couple guys in the league that aren't going to draft closers and they're not going to care about closers and they don't care about saves because they're punting it for some reason or another. Because at the end of the season, when they have a cumulative like six saves or 11 saves, there's a couple guys in every league with that. Okay. So then you got them. You only need to get like one closer to beat those guys, right? One, you need one decent closer to, to beat them. And the and then the guy at the top has like 200 saves. So he like went way crazy with saves. But there's a, a in the middle of the road is about 50 saves. So 
you don't have to try to beat everybody in saves. Just know that you can maintain a decent amount of points just by coming in the middle in saves. And you don't have to try that hard. You get these guys in the middle. I, I'm thinking, so this is my strategy. I think I made it clear. I'll quit babbling now about it. I'm going to draft bullpen guys instead of mediocre starters. Oh, yeah, that's 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 my strategy, uh, full throttle with that strategy. But another thing is if you're playing with a savvy owner, I mean, if you have that many saves, you said 200, I think that's crazy. But if you have, you're at 100 saves, and the next closest person's at 77, 79, whatever it might be, you need to start trading a closer to a guy that's desperate, or a guy or gal, I should say, that's yeah. desperate for saves it and makes get something sense. else. Because you can only get so many points and saves. That and you're not necessarily hurting yourself either by helping out somebody else because if they they might pass somebody in saves who's chasing you in the overall standings, um, you're you're actually almost helping yourself out. You have to be smart about it. You have to look because um, maybe the person you're trading to is close to you, and if you give them saves, they can catch you in the overall standings too. So you have to be smart about it. But there's a way to manipulate the standings based on the trades that you make to other people from your strengths. Yeah, so let's look at this category targets. I totally agree with you. Couldn't even agree more. You can really only – you should definitely trade from strength, and you're def, you're going to need something. Drafting closers, too, could be kind of a strategy when you see them going – it doesn't happen all the time. A lot of times they, they are relatively expensive, and most of them go uh, – based. you know, most of them are drafted. But if you ever come across extra closers in your draft, then think about just the fact that you would be able to trade these closers to somebody without that has a her closer or whatever. You just got to make sure you do it at the right time in the closer carousel because <laughs> who knows. Um, for saves, they had, yeah, 15, the, there's 15 teams in this league and 101 saves was the average, like number one. Let me check out the rest of them. For the most part, they were right around 100. The top saves guy gets 115 saves in a 15-team league. That's quite a bit of saves. But then if you go say, okay, he's getting 15 points, right? The guy that had 71 saves is getting 12 points. Do you really need 40 more saves? No, you don't need 40 more saves. You just have to have enough to make sure that you don't lose a point in those cat- categories. So that's just it. Um, for me... I, I go the opposite route. I try and um, get the lower end type closers, and then if I find that I need saves, I'll go to the guy who has all the saves and be like, hey, I can see you you need some speed. I have speed. Take a guy from stolen bases. Give me some saves. We help each other out. It's a perfect trade. Well, a lot of people, they, they like to get closers because they think, they well, not that they think because it's true. It's a fact. That they help with the ERA and WHIP because they usually typically have such a low ERA and WHIP that you're not only getting saves, but you're getting this good, um, you know, it's just adding to your ERA pleasure, okay? But if you think about it, getting, it can also work against you if you're just focusing on saves and not the ERA and the WHIP because the ERA and the WHIP could be if you have a 1.35 WHIP, then that's hurting you just as much as it would have ever helped you. It's probably hurting you worse because... So getting a couple saves is not really the most important part of um, the closer job, I think. I maybe, just my opinion. Yeah, I think I think you could be on to something there. Um, I mean, it's really all about um, having. I mean, everyone's going to have a different stra- strategy. The problem that some people have, I think, is after a draft, based on the team that they have, they kind of go away from. 
um, they kind of go away from their strategy um, rather than just knowing if you're not drafting the saves, at some point you're going to have to acquire them. If you're not drafting stolen bases, at some point you're going to have to acquire them unless you're content on finishing in the middle of the pack. It depends on what kind of league you are in because there are certain leagues like these head-to-head leagues where you can actually punt. I mean, Donkey Teeth wrote a good article, and that's <laughs> that's the article we were talking about, but it's very good, and it's very in-depth. It talks about the different leagues and the draft strategies, and I think that the most important strategy to have, and he mentioned this in the guide, is that you have to be flexible, and you have to really – you basically have to be willing to throw your strategy out the window because you have to draft to make – it's going to depend on how the draft is going and you need to build your team. That's what you need to do. So if you see deals, then you have to be able willing to jump at them and not be stuck like completely to one plan. Well, I won an AL only league last year uh, without drafting any closers to start. It, it is a keeper league. Um, so, it, I mean, there's obviously less guys even available in the auction to begin with, but I just, I loaded up on the, on the tons of relievers. My ratios were, were great. And then I was able to acquire um, saves at some point. I didn't finish towards the top of the, of the rankings and saves, but I went from, I, there's 11 teams in it. It's a Roto league of 11 teams. I went from two points all the way up to eight points by, making two trades so there was there was 22 pitch there was 22 closers last year that got at least 20 saves and then i mean there was another whole slew another 20 closers that got 10 or more saves so um i think there's a lot of them to be had throughout the season you nailed it there's always going to be somebody if you're if you're paying attention you are going to find out that somebody took over the closing job and you're going to go pick him up and you're going to get maybe five or six or seven saves. But it's one thing that you can definitely rely every single year in and year out. You're going to find saves on the waiver. Always. There's, there, there's never, there's never a shortage of them. And that's why I don't typically draft them because I know I'm going to be able to find them. Um, I understand the reason of loading up on those guys. I mean, it's great to have a closer that's going to get you saves and also have that great ERA and whip, but how many of those guys actually exist? So maybe a handful. We're running out of time. we got five minutes. Lenny says that the Yankees are about to counter the um, Red Sox because that's how they do it. He said that because they got Nunez. With who? With who, Moustakas? Yes, that's what he said, Moustakas. What's oh, wrong with that? You guys need a third baseman bad, but if you – it, it's going to just be – Yankee fan. It's so much just because it's going to put you guys oh, – is it going to put you over the threshold? Let me look at some payroll. No, if I'm the Yankees, if I'm the Yankees, if you're going to do anything to counter JD, get another starter. I don't know. They have How the – seriously, man. I'm totally pouncing on the Yankees bullpen, the middle – I anybody on the Yankees bullpen, I'm so glad that the Yankees and the Houston Astros are AL teams because both of them are just oh, stacked. You, you, you can win a league with Green, Conley, Batantis, and Robertson. You, and, don't, need, you don't need Chapman. Yeah, and look at – uh, guys. Look in Houston. Money. Totally. You got – um, just, I think that a lot of these good guys, I'm so lucky about it too, because I see more of them in the American league than the national league. But like lately I've just been looking around every time I see players, I think, Oh, is he on the national league? You know, is he an American league pitcher? Is he, Oh, yay. The, a lot of these bullpen guys are in the AL. So I'm super happy about it. 
There's a question here from Schmacky in the uh, – I hope I pronounced that right – in the chat room about Matt Carpenter, 15th round. Um, I would jump on that him right away. I think I took him earlier than that in our mock. And not only is he a good value at that pick, but he's definitely – Prime to rebound, but I also like his versatility. Most leagues, you can play him in the middle infield. Even. I don't think I, I so. Have him, I have him personally at second base. I think. Well, he um, only in our mock. I am using him in, as a middle infielder. Okay, I think he has even more value than at the corner. Well, let me explain that these. He lost a lot of eligibility in a lot of leagues. So if most leagues are twenty games at a position last season or five at the current season. So if he does play anywhere but the corners, then he'll gain eligibility quickly, but he only played 13 games at second and 16 games at third, and he, that is not enough to qualify at those positions in most leagues. But at Yahoo, of course, you can qualify if you just, like, step on the bag. Okay, well, then I stand corrected. I was just going off of whatever the couch ma- manager's um, eligibility was. No, that's um, cool. Um, so he, yeah, so he is Yeah, he is only um, at first base. Either way, I think at that at that value, I think I agree with what everyone's saying here. 15th round, it's it's tremendous value for a guy who could drive in 90 runs. Um, he's been a clutch hitter. Guy who hits for average has above average power. I mean, I've I've no issues with uh, I like the actually at that round. Do you know who else is good on this team to get late is Jerko because Lenny and I were. Yeah, I love Jed Jerko. I got him super late too. He's in my corner spot. Another question: Who gets more at bats at first base, Moreland or Hanley? Moreland, in my opinion. Oh, it's 100%. over for Hanley. Hanley's going to the bench. Hanley is going to the bench. He's in trouble. Um, he'll be lucky to he'll be lucky to get three hundred plate appearances. I think. Uh, well. I don't know. Injuries. They're going to give him a chance to play for a minute just to make it look good, I think. But he's just not good. He doesn't have good work ethic. And when you get older, that's just bad. It's bad because... He's also such a liability defensively, too. I mean, at least Moreland has a solid glove. and can put up similar numbers to what you're going to get from Hanley anyways, offensively. So there's that. Do we have any more questions? or I should check. I don't see anything right now, but while we're on the topic of the Red Sox, we didn't we talked about JD. We didn't really talk much about Nunez. Um, where what is what do you where do you kind of rank him now? You know he's going to get everyday at bats at least while Pedroia is out. But once Pedroia comes back, what happens to Nunez? I mean, I know he can play all over the field, but obviously the outfield is loaded now. JD would be the guy to get an outfield start before Nunez would. And Devers and and Bogart seem pretty much like everyday players. Okay. I'm just going to say that if you hit and you make, give a good reason to keep you in the lineup, you're going to stay in the lineup, especially when you play second, third, shortstop, outfield, everywhere. He plays everywhere. They have a DH in the American League. So I'm just saying there's not going to be a problem finding him a job. He's like uh, Domingo Santana. I mean, how are you going to bench a guy like this? He's so he's going to be super helpful while Dustin Pedroia is out, of course. But, you know, in the meantime, somebody else is going to get hurt. There's, I mean – He's just Nunez to me, Andrea, is one of those guys in fantasy that I want to draft. And then after a a month, if he's hot, I want to trade him. Why? This is a guy like he doesn't get tired. I I know I kind of contradict myself because I was saying um, that I don't mind guys that don't play every day. But I feel like his value is going to be an all time high while Pedroia is out. Once Pedroia comes back, he's not going to be playing every day and he'll be moving around around. And I know that's what utility guys do is what that's the point of the utility guy. But I mean, I so many times to me, guys 
perform much better when they have more of a consistent position. When you start moving Nunez around the field, and he, I love him offensively, but he's not that good defensively anywhere. He can play all the positions, but he's not that great defensively. You start moving him around to third, to short, to the outfield, I think that's going to affect him offensively too. I just think his value, well, why is out, is at an all-time high. So you draft him, you, you let him rack up the numbers for you while he's playing every day, and then find someone who is willing to take him before Pedroia comes back and get something quality for him. I don't think so it's going I just don't think it's going to affect him because last year he played all these positions. He played numerous games at each position. He doesn't I just think that I'm keeping him for sure because he is consistent and he is good. And I totally see what you're saying though about um drafting him. I just don't think that his numbers are like that gaudy that they're going that somebody's going to like pay a super high price cuz he's hot right now, you know? Yeah, I mean, it all depends. If a team team suffers a key injury, they need an infielder, they want a guy with speed who gets on base. Um, he's he's can certainly help your fantasy roster, absolutely. But we are past that time threshold, so. Well, we didn't get yeah. here till five oh four. I mean, four. Oh, okay, so okay, so we're only at fifty nine minutes then. <laughs> we have a little bit more time um, to to extend here. Is there any more questions from anybody? I guess in the chat room. Why is Andy so bitchy? Here. Is that what? Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that's your question. Um, <laughs> no, that's what they want to know. Why am oh, I so okay. bitchy? That's that's a good question that only you can answer. I don't really know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't mean it though. I mean, I don't mean it. I think that people take me wrong because I don't know. See, I've in all the time I've known you, I've never really known you as. A bit as being a bitch or a bitchy, I've never really gotten that like that feel fr- from you. Even when we're even when we're communicating about the shows, and I just get like a okay, like a <laughs> I, I don't take it personally. I oh, take good. it as okay, okay, you know, good. Because you're saying okay, like that. That's it. But I think I people feel like read into some things too much sometimes. I think that yes, and I think that some people that I've actually met in person, I feel like a little more close to, a little bit more comfortable with, just kind of like. Um, you know, being up front because I think that, you know, we've had a chance to meet and we just kind of know each other pretty good. And so I also think that sometimes when, um, communicating over computers and stuff, it's just easy to take it wrong, you know? So I'm always feeling like, did I just say something to be rude? Did I, was I just, you know, I don't really want to be rude. I don't try to be rude. So this is my apology for being bitchy and, it pretty much just is what it is, though. <laughs> you never yeah, have so to, like, what, every, wonder. Everybody out there, Andy apologizes. And, in her uh, own way for being take, bitchy. Take, take, it, take it or leave it, I guess. Yes, everybody. that's the thing. Uh, her nonsense, <laughs> you are the Charles Barkley of fantasy sports. Nice. So, like, is that a compliment? Okay, good. I think Charles Barkley drinks vodka in his coffee, too. Yeah, he, pro- he probably does. We'll have to, we'll have to find a way to... Uh, to ask him that sometimes. Do you really drink vodka? <laughs> that actually sounds disgusting. I like, have. But it's not coffee. It's it's okay. I'm okay with it. Personally, I like a little bit of creamer. Think um, about this. Something with a little sweetness to it. Kind of give me that extra jolt. I think that I'm already drinking the coffee. Your mental picture is wrong of what you're thinking that it is when I say vodka and coffee. It's usually like vanilla vodka with some cream like Bailey's or something and you know it's more of a sweet cocktail or it's hot cocktail. Then it is just vodka and coffee because that's probably not good. You're probably right about it. But there's other things too like flavor. Does that make it better for you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would all I would consider it a little bit. I mean, I'm not a big drinker, <laughs> what if I'm I not put... a big drinker at all. And when I used to drink, I was more of the beer, um, the beer type of guy, mm. anyways. Um, but but I can't judge because I've never tried it. I love the guys in the chat room. They're being very nice and make me feel like I still have friends. So thank you very much. Okay. And on that note, we're out, Lou. All right. Later all, we'll see you next Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Be there. Be square. Got it.